Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. So the next person is Sam Smith, somebody very special, actually. Um, Sam is the founder of Green Ribbon Policing Campaign. His aim is for there to be a national standard set in law that police forces must adhere to when it comes to preventing and treating mental ill health in the police force. He was a police officer. He did not come out well. He had to leave after only three years because of what was going on. And he just said to himself, and I love people like that, right, this is not right. So something needs to be done. Nobody's doing it. Okay, I'll do it. So this is exactly what Sam is doing. So, yeah, I'm Sam Smith um, and I'm an ex-police officer. I um, founded um, a, a campaign called Green Ribbon Policing, campaign for better mental health in policing. I was a frontline officer and unfortunately I eventually had to leave after about three years due to a decline in my own mental health which was caused from the, um, the trauma I experienced in the job uh, daily. So upon leaving, I wanted to see sort of a change in um, uh, mental health provisions within policing. And I wanted to see less people go through what effectively I did. Um, so that's kind of what my interest is. And that's where I got started with it all. When I joined, you, you go through a sort of a, a pretty extensive um, training program, which lasts about I think it was about 13 weeks when I did it, and I think it's now 16. And within that training period, you get a, um, a sort of a, a, a police safety training, I think they call it, or a personal safety training. And that includes your, your physical health, um, how to effectively wear your uniform properly, how to use your cuffs, how to use your equipment, um, so your PPE, um, but also how to safely uh, detain people, how to deal with violent offenders, and violent situations to protect yourself, but also protect the public and effectively the person you're arresting. Um, but there was no nothing on mental health. And then you go on and um, you, you do the job, so you get thrown in, you know, quite at the deep end. And some of the things I uh, remember that really first stuck in my head, I guess, from a traumatic point of view, was um, the, the amount of dead people you you come across, the amount of death and 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 uh, I, I guess bloody gore you see in real life. Um, it's quite weird because you see things on films these days and they're very realistic, but it's nothing quite like it when it's in real life. I remember the first um, sudden death I went to, the, the, the gentleman had been dead for oh, weeks. Unfortunately, he didn't have much family, so he went unfound and they only found him through um, an infestation of flies on the flat below. Someone had obviously gone to investigate and, and then eventually found that this, this gentleman had died and it was the heat of the summer. So the, um, his body had started to rapidly decay. Um, parts of, of his body weren't really attached anymore. His face had been completely eaten away by maggots. Um, I remember like just when he was moved, he literally just split into two and, you know, you got bodily fluids everywhere. And it was, it was horrific really. And I remember thinking, oh my, oh my God, I, you know, it's, it's just overwhelming sense. You know, you can smell it, you can taste taste it in the air which is a, a weird thing to say but you can um and then just the the you know seeing a person in that position has a massive effect on you but then you have a job to do you have a 
a job you signed up to do and you know it's something that you've got to do uh, and stay professional effectively um and and you know i i knew that well, this is something i might experience but it's it's not quite what you kind of ever imagine and doing that for so long eventually you do kind of get used to it and it becomes very normal and what you do in your day which can be quite horrific whether you're being you know in some sort of massive violent situation where you know you're, you're fearing for your own safety or your colleague's safety or whether you're seeing death or, or, or brutality um it does become very normal it's just it's just an element to the job but if you're not effectively doing anything to look after yourself that's when it can start to have an effect and i noticed about two and a half years in well actually i, I didn't notice my partner noticed that i'd become very uh unsociable in my spare time um i was very hyper vigilant so i was very aware of things like sounds and like when i'd go driving if i ever saw anyone doing anything at all illegal it's like i couldn't switch off from it it's almost like i was not a person anymore i was just a police officer but also i was increasingly shown as, as not being very happy um i never wanted to do anything with anyone outside of work um on night shifts for example i'd spend the whole day with the curtain shut in the dark just maybe watching telly and stuff and then i'd go out and do the night shift so i could have a whole week of just being in the dark and i didn't think there was a problem with that um so my my behavior my my personality was was rapidly changing i think i became very um unaffectionate to my partner very un i wouldn't say unkind but cold um i really struggled to you know show any emotion with anything um and and she worried about me and and suggested that maybe i was struggling uh with my with my mental health and i shrugged it off with being no 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 i'm fine this is just what it's like being a police officer this is how you get this is just normal and very defensive and it wasn't until i eventually got a bit of an intervention from a more experienced police officer who was a good friend of mine and sort of said look sam you you know you need some help and i went to the doctors and it was effectively opening a can of worms the doctor said you are a, you know a moment away from a breakdown you need to pull away from everything you know this is ridiculous you can't go on like this you're you've got so much on your shoulders um she signed me off for several months sick um which was i was really angry about at first i remember saying to my partner oh, look we've done now sort of thing um but over time i came to terms of it and actually really feel like if it wasn't for my partner interjecting you know i could have uh, who knows what could have had uh, happened to me um but after i came back i felt like a bit of an idiot i felt that i was being judged i felt like everyone saw me as a you know weak and like a let down that i hadn't been in and stuff like that so i really felt quite useless and it was just a really horrible feeling it took me months and months and months before i was even suggested that someone would actually get me any support um and then the support was dropped and you know when i was off sick the first time no one checked i was okay and i just felt completely clueless of what i was going to be doing i felt my own, on my own and i felt like i wasn't getting any help or what was wrong with me or whether i could just go back to work cuz i felt a bit better and it was just that sort of sense of there was no accountability it was like you know just leave him at home pay him and it, it was almost just like you really feel that like you're just a number at that point the equality is still not there if they were people that that you know mental health is the person that is not being given the the equal right to to succeed um and that is quite upsetting to me because if you look at the figures and the stats actually mental health is actually a bigger cause of of officer death and officer 
um, sickness than, than, than any physical injuries. So it just shows you how serious it is and why we're not treating it equal is, again, another reason why I'm campaigning. And they've always seen physical health as being more of an occupational hazard their mental health in policing when really they both are occupational hazards in their own right but arguably actually mental health has been illness and and disorders have been shown to be way more deadly to police officers than physical um, health problems but that could also be because we're not investing enough in you know prevention and, and actually protecting them when it comes to psychological well-being if I'm asking for you know hundreds of thousands of people really you know not just the police officers, not just the police staff in this country, but also the general public who deserve a, a, a you know a, a healthy um, member of, of of the you know police come and, and help them when they need, not not someone who's mentally ill and maybe dangerous because of their illness. So there you go. Again, very very important stuff here from Sam Smith. So the initial police training covers personal safety training, you know, how to handcuff someone, a little bit of self-defense. Why don't we defend our mental health as well as our bodies? Um, he became cold, did not realize this was weird. And I thought it was quite interesting that he said, um, he shrugged it off saying, no, I'm fine. This is just what being a police officer is like, you know, spending his days between night shifts in the dark. He thought it was normal because nobody was telling him it wasn't. Um, he was a moment away from a breakdown, felt judged when he came back from sick leave. You know, that's really bad, isn't it? Um, had no support when he left and mental health is being discriminated against. Definitely. What do you think, Ginny? I think, unfortunately, that's not uncommon. Um, I think a lot of people um, experience that, certainly for sure, back in the um, the 90s when I, I had my breakdown and I considered suicide. Um, not a single police officer contacted me of any rank to see if I was okay. Um and uh, I think there was a huge sigh of relief when I left because it was easier for me not to be there than the, for them have to deal with whatever the out, you know, the outflowing was of, of that particular episode. And I think it's a crying shame that happened in 1991 to me. And I think it's even more of a shame that it's still happening in the 2000s um, to officers. It, it absolutely needs to change. You know, there was a, um, a study and in investigative uh, quality of investigation in, uh, into the mental health in the UK police force which was conducted on the 130,000 UK police officers in 2018, um, where half of the officers in the UK had taken sickness absence for mental health issues in the previous five years. I think that's frightening. And I think it tells its own story. Yeah. The campaign basically is asking for a national standard, so a mandatory national standard to be set and, and there to be an element of accountability and that is actually set in law. There's no sort of legal accountability um, if there was, we would we wouldn't be seeing what we see now, which is uh, a lack of uh, you know recording and a lack of uh, understanding around mental illness in policing. At the moment, we've got a uh, national wellbeing program which was um, set up, I think, with some government money, which is fine, but it, again, it doesn't actually help everybody because not everyone uses it. Forces don't have to use it. It's there as a if you would like to use it and invest with it, you you can, but it's not mandatory. And I think the fact that mandatory training is given for all police officers and physical well-being from day one. So why are we not mandatory training people on their mental health as well? It's about accountability. It's about safety for not just the officers, but the public they serve. You know, we've got a 
the ridiculously high rate of officers with suspected with PTSD, they think one in five, so a fifth of the police force currently have PTSD. Uh, PTSD is a serious illness, it causes loss of control, which is dangerous to the public. It causes uh, permanent um, brain damage, uh, loss of memory. It also causes an increased chance of suicide, and that's why we expect about one every officer every two weeks takes their own life. And it's all about the, the aftermath of once you've got ill, but there's not much about preventing getting ill in the first place. And I always see it as, you know, we're not being given our, the tools to succeed. You know, you wouldn't let an officer go to a violent job without a stab-proof vest. Um, if we started saying we're not paying for them because they're expensive, so, you know, off you go and then they get stabbed, that's their problem. That just sounds barbaric, but effectively we are doing exactly that with, with psychological well-being. We are forcibly making officers attend trauma after trauma after trauma, knowing the psychological effect on the human brain of constant trauma will lead to things like post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, yet we are not giving them any prevention or, or resilience training prior in their initial training to, to help prevent that from happening. And, and, you know, I don't say just at the beginning, that should be ongoing. That should be every six months minimum, because we are every six months checking officers that they're able to complete a level of fitness. And that is for safety reasons. So why aren't we doing it for their psychological well-being? And that's really what I'm trying to, um, you know, accomplish through this campaign. So I'd like to declare here now that Police Science Doctor fully fully supports the Green Ribbon Policing campaign. Um, national Wellbeing Program is it's great, but because it's not mandatory, again, it, that might discourage a few people from using it. So um, Sam is asking for a mandatory standard, not only to deal with existing issues, but also to prevent them so that police really look after their staff. Um, I love this. You wouldn't send an officer to um, a dangerous situation without a stab vest and then say, well, if you got injured, that's your problem. We're doing that. We're doing that with their mental health. Ginny. Yeah, that's a great analogy, Suzanne. I love that. Um, and I totally agree with Sam that it's something that we need to get in place. Um, and the sooner, the better. Let's start being proactive rather than reactive. Uh, let's safeguard the, the health and well-being of our officers and staff. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam. This is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts.